Six days after Peter had acknowledged Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah, talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my Son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Get up, do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, at last, it is the last Sunday after the Epiphany. (laughs) I don't think I've ever experienced such a long Epiphany as a priest. Carnival is uh, beginning in various parts of the world. I spoke to someone this morning after 8 o'clock who happened to be in Venice, St. Mark's Square, where the fountain was filled with wine. (laughs) They were celebrating. And we'll do our own bit of celebrating Tuesday night at our Shrove Tuesday Pancake Supper. It'll be more Episcopal in tone, perhaps. (laughs) And then Wednesday, Ash Wednesday, we'll have services here for the imposition of ashes. It'd be in the chapel, imposition of ashes and Eucharist. And we will begin another Holy Lent. Today we have this uh, very strange gospel about the transfiguration. And it's the one that's always appointed for the last Sunday after Pentecost. And not only that, we get it another time if we observe the Feast of the Transfiguration on the 6th of August. So this text, even though it's very strange, must be important to us as the church. Uh, Let's just take another quick look at that so you get the sequence of events a bit in your mind. It's six days after Peter had acknowledged Jesus as the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus takes Peter, James and John up a high mountain. And there, while they're standing there, Jesus face starts to shine like the sun and his garments become blazing white. But then something even stranger happens beside Jesus and talking with him are Moses and Elijah. And in this wonderful experience, Peter, being the action guy that he is, decides that he has to do something. So he starts to talk about the possibilities and he suggests that maybe he should build something for each of them so that they can stay there, a shelter of some sort. And you can imagine him babbling on. And in the midst of that, he's stopped by God. A cloud comes down over all of them. And from the cloud comes the voice of God. This is my son, 
my beloved. Listen to him. One can imagine that Peter, who's not always inclined to listen, probably got the message that day. And they all were so terrified by this experience that they ended up face down and perhaps over an extended period of time in a trance-like state out of fear. And then Jesus comes to them, touches them and says, get up. Don't be afraid. They get up. They see Jesus and he's alone now. And that amazing mystical experience that they had is over and they're back to reality, at least as they understand it. Well, it's a very strange story. And one of the things that I I do in preparing to preach, not every week, but very often, is listen to a podcast that uh, usually involves three uh, scholars, an Old Testament scholar and two New Testament scholars. They're younger scholars and are actively teaching in a seminary. And they have a discussion of the lessons coming up for the next Sunday. And this particular time that I listened to it, uh, Bishop uh, William Willimon, who is a wonderful, amazingly wonderful preacher, has written over 50 books, was dean of the chapel at Duke University, and now a, a bishop in the Methodist Church, was also a part of the group. And one of the scholars, one of the New Testament scholars, said that when he preaches the Gospels and he sees that the story of the Transfiguration is coming up, he always arranges it so the Transfiguration is at the end of the lecture, so hopefully he'll run out of time and not have to address it. And then Willimon said that he believed that this text may be a judgment on especially the Protestant church and post-Reformation, always looking at Scripture and trying to find a rational way of explaining all of it, our need to explain it and to avoid the mystical and the supernatural. And he said that three years ago, he preached that text at Memorial Church. And I don't want to offend any Harvard graduates here, but... He said, it's an attack on Harvard and everything Harvard stands for. Go get him, Jesus. <laughs> well, with uh, Willimon as my support, I'm not going to try to explain this mystical experience, this experience that was so profound that they end up face down in fear. But I think it would be helpful for us if we consider this account along with aspects of the life of Peter. After all, the passage starts there. It says that six days after Peter acknowledged Jesus as the Christ, they started to go up the mountain. It was in Caesarea Philippi that that acknowledgement of Jesus as the Christ happened. And it was an area quite far north from where Jesus had been ministering in Galilee It was a quite different place. It was very multicultural and there was a tremendous amount of religious diversity because it was an area where the trade routes passed. And it was there in that very rich, religious, diverse place that Jesus asked the disciples, who do they say that I am? And they tell Jesus what the people have been saying. Some say you're John the Baptist. Others say you're Elijah or Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then Jesus interrupts them and says, but who do you say that I am? And it's at that point that Peter 
makes this great uh, declaration that you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. One wonders, you know, what was that epiphany like for Peter? Had he had a sense of that along the way as they had traveled and as Jesus had healed and taught? Or was it something that happened in that moment where suddenly he just knew it all made sense to him? Well, whatever it was, it was a profound experience, one can imagine, for Peter, because not only did, it, did, he, he, did that happen to him and he had that awareness, but Jesus says, Simon, son of Jonah, from now on you're going to be known as Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I will found my church. Well, it's amazing, I think, for us to think what kind of an experience Peter must have had. And as they go on, and this is not a long time, because from the time that Peter makes that statement until they go up the mountain is only six days. And somewhere in there, Jesus starts teaching about needing to go to Jerusalem, that he will die. And it's then that Peter says that can't happen. We cannot allow that to happen. And after he insists, finally, Jesus says to him, get behind me, Satan. Stop talking that way, Peter. One can imagine the confusion that was in Peter's mind. Why could this be? Why should this be? And then they go up the mountain. And it's there that they have that incredible experience. And it's not an epiphany. This is a theophany. This is an experience of God manifest in a way that is tangible and real. They could hear God speak. And there, in their fear, they fall to the ground. And Jesus comes to them, touches them, and says, do not be afraid. Well, this is not the last time that Peter falters because of fear. Later in Jerusalem, after Jesus is arrested, he's taken to the home of the high priest. And the scripture says that uh, Peter followed at a distance. And when they got there, Jesus was interrogated. He was whipped. And Peter was out in the courtyard, apparently had started a small fire, was trying to keep warm. One can imagine that he perhaps heard what was going on in the high priest's house. And then a servant girl walks by notices him and says, aren't you one of those who were with Jesus, one of those people from Galilee? They perhaps looked different than the people in Jerusalem. They were country folk. He said, no, I don't know him. Oh, you must be one of them. I thought for sure I saw you. No, it was not me. And again, she challenges him. And this time he curses and he swears an oath. I know nothing of him. Jesus had denied, Peter had denied Jesus three times with a curse and an oath. And it says that Peter ran out and wept bitterly. Well, Peter's story does not end there. If it did, I would be very sad indeed, because I think it's a, a very important account for us what follows with the resurrection. And I think there we find our hope and certainly Peter's hope as well. In the Gospel of Mark, the women go to the tomb and the tomb, the stone has been rolled back. The tomb is empty with the exception of a young man who is sitting there, apparently an angel. And he says, go and tell Peter and the others. 
Go and tell Peter. Jesus had not given up on Peter. God was not done with Peter. Peter may have thought he had failed as badly as any disciple could possibly fail. But Jesus didn't think that. Jesus said, get up, Peter. Do not be afraid. That little bit from the Gospel of Mark, I hold on to so tightly. Because if you are all like me, you know that we fall, we fail, and we fear. And what we hear, I think, in this Gospel of the Transfiguration, in a sense, is a transforming that happens to each of us if we listen to Jesus. And we know that the Christian life is not going to be easy. It will have its ups and downs. And we see that in the life of Peter. We see failure. And we see sin. And we see that in our own lives as well. Some of us have had wonderful epiphanies where we knew that God was real. Some of us have been to the mountaintop. We've experienced the love of God and God's grace in a way that we can't even explain to somebody else. There are even some of us who have had mystical experiences that were so bizarre, so strange, we're afraid to talk to anyone about them. And then, of course, for perhaps all of us, when we look back over our lives, we can see in retrospect those times in our lives when God was present, when the presence of Christ was was there and we didn't even see it. And once again, when we fall, when we fail, and when we fear, Jesus says to you and to me, get up, do not be afraid. Amen. Amen.